You're listening to The Marn Report. Welcome to The Marn Report. I'm Sergeant First Class Jason Hole, 3rd Infantry Division Public Affairs. I'm here with Major Josh Cosmos. Uh, he's a Division's Plans Officer, um, but he, uh, he's also the Division Historian. And if you don't mind, sir, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became the historian of the Rock of the Marn? Hey, thank you, Sergeant. Uh, so my name, like he said, is Major Josh Cosmos. I'm a uh, plans officer here at the division. I got here in July of this year. And uh, I was chosen as the historian because uh, the 380 history is so rich and deep. Uh, and last year, a, another plans officer really kind of started up a lot of the projects that are here in the division. And then me coming in to replace him, I have an a, a undergraduate degree in history. So it's just a natural fit for me to come in and take that position. All right, and so we're here to talk a little bit about the history of the 105-year-old Marne Division, a history that includes 61 Medal of Honor awardees, more than any other U.S. Army division, um, and many famous names, uh, well-known names like uh, Audie Murphy, the Alwyn Cash, um, General Robert Abrams, um, even units like the Barinkineers, the uh, Puerto Rican National Guard that uh, was a part of the 3rd Infantry Division in Korea. So, sir, uh, since you are the subject matter expert and we have you here now, let's just talk a little bit about how the 3rd Infantry Division has really found itself as the decisive element um, for some of the most significant pieces of American military history. Yeah, thank you. So as you mentioned, uh, 3rd Infantry Division has just numerous Medal of Honor winners and has been uh, really a shining star since World War One. And uh, 3ID itself uh, was constituted on November 12th, 1917 as the 3rd Division. And then on November 21st, 1917, the day that we really recognize as his birthday, it was organized at Camp Green, North Carolina. Okay, sir. So, uh, when the division was constituted, it was constituted specifically for service in World War One. Am I right? That's correct. Okay, and uh, so let's talk a little bit about World War One and why that matters so much to the legacy of this uh, incredible story division. Oh, absolutely. So, as the Third Division, which is what they were called at the time, uh, fought in the Second Battle of the Marne, it was a key location where the Third Division was uh, flanked on either side by uh, allied French uh, divisions. And on July 14th into the July 15th of 1918, uh, as the French began to withdraw, uh, General Joseph Dickman, who's the commanding general of 3ID at the time, or 3rd Division at the time, uh, turned to his uh, allied commanding general and said in the French language, New Restaurant La, which translates to, we shall remain here, uh, really kind of proving that rock of the Marne staying in the uh, Marne River area. And just for some perspective, I mean, uh, World War I, Second Battle of the Marne, this was the second time the Germans uh, led an assault uh, up to the Marne River. And this is at a time when Russia has been defeated on the eastern flank, so Germany now has a single front war. And the Allies really, uh, they, they just had everything about the Prussian army coming at them, really. Um, and the Allied Expeditionary Force was just receiving uh, 
the American Doughboys. And uh, this was really sort of, I think, the 3rd Infantry's first real test. And, and just to provide some perspective in, in, in this engagement, when the 3rd Infantry Division stood its ground against a vicious German assault, which was intended to seize Paris. And at that time, I believe uh, that the U.S. was entering the war. Germany had defeated Russia on its eastern flank, and so the Allied Expeditionary Forces really had everything that the Prussian Army had coming at them. So uh, the American Army in general uh, was relatively yellow in this point um, and unexperienced, uh, where most of the European allies had been fighting for up to four years at this point. Uh, so there was a little bit of... Uh, lack of trust between uh, really in, in the American army itself. And this is where it kind of turned around is this, is this uh, beginning of the July of 1918. Uh, so that 1415 uh, Second Battle of the Marne. And as you mentioned, uh, Russia wasn't as much in the fight anymore. So you had uh, Germans, specifically their artillery, uh, with just a massive barrage with thousands of rounds of artillery, including mustard gas and other, other chemical agents that were being uh, fired at the French and Americans, and that is where that uh, withdrawal of the French began, uh, and the the term "Rock of the Marne" really came for the Third Division. All right, and so that I guess is uh, the the division's first real test, and the division stood its ground and and earned its motto and and earned its legacy, and uh, would do so again uh, a short while later in World War II. Yeah, and uh, so in World War One, uh, there were there were several campaigns that Third Division uh, participated in, and as part of the patch now is uh, the, you have the blue background, which symbolizes loyalty, and then the three stripes of white that show the three campaigns uh, that uh, Third Division really uh, centrally participated in in World War One. But as you move on to World War Two, on August first, nineteen forty-two, that's when uh, the Third Division was. Uh, reorganized as the 3rd Infantry Division, where it gets the term, uh, the name that it still has today. All right, and so the division would first see action uh, as part of an amphibious force, uh, specifically trained, I think, for amphibious assaults in World War I, uh, but that first assault would occur on the beaches of Morocco? Yeah, that's correct. So the entire uh, North African campaign uh, that several people kind of forget about. You really think about the European and then the Pacific side, but uh, to get to that European side, there was a whole North African campaign. And the 3rd Infantry Division uh, trained up an amphibious assault in uh, various locations in the United States on both the West and East Coast before they uh, went over and conducted uh, assaults in Morocco. And then that would be followed by Tunisia and then um, uh, it, uh, Sicily and then Italy and then what would become known as the Forgotten D-Day was the uh, um, amphibious assault in southern France at at Saint Tropez. Yeah, that's correct. So there was there was those initial uh, amphibious invasions, as you mentioned, and then a ground movement towards Tunisia, and then uh, amphibious invasions into Sicily, and then again Italy uh, with ground movements in between. So it was a lot of a lot of maneuver, both on ground and sea. All right, and then, um, and then, of course, at this point, what we know now is that the 3rd Infantry Division would be the U.S. Army's most combat experienced division in World War II because uh, I think they would see somewhere close to 600 consecutive days of combat. Yeah, I can't remember the exact number, but definitely over 500, close to 600 consecutive days of combat from 1943 into 19. 
uh, 45, I believe. Um, and, and this is where you see uh, the big names of some of our Medal of Honor winners. So uh, you mentioned earlier, but uh, Audie Murphy, uh, you have Michael Daly, and then uh, Maurice Footsie Britt are, are three that really come to mind um, where you, you have these just extraordinary men who, who go on and do things that are above and beyond the Call of Duty. And speaking of above and beyond the Call of Duty, I mean, uh, one thing that everybody knows about World War II is the Battle of Bastogne and, and the besieged allies surrounded by Germans through the harshest of European winters in, I think, centuries. But what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, what was key to uh, breaking through was the 3rd Infantry Division's effort in clearing the Colmar pocket, a pocket of German resistance to the south. Um, and, and then, uh, and then what would follow would be a penetration in through the German defenses, uh, the Siegfried line. Yeah. So that, that Colmar pocket in, uh, in early 1945 became very crucial. And, uh, like you said, the, uh, the battle of the bulge definitely stands out as the, uh, as a key event in that time, but there's a lot of supporting efforts that had to take place and the third infantry division was, uh, key and essential in those. And I think what people fail to miss is just how severe the conditions were that year. Um, uh, I think, you know, there was, uh, there was a lot of snow, which there was a lot of mud. Germans had artillery that was specifically designed to explode at the treetop line to rain down shrapnel. And um, at that point, supply lines were getting stretched. It's just... What was happening in Bastogne was a very similar experience to what the 3rd Infantry Division uh, experienced in the, in, in the fight for the, the Colmar pocket. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, most people are familiar with the, uh, with the 82nd poster uh, of a soldier out in the winter making some comments about how you know, the enemy isn't getting past them. But you know, just like that, you have uh, the 3rd Infantry Division in very similar conditions. And like you said, those artillery rounds not only do the fragmentation of the shells themselves cause a lot of issues and the concussion, but uh, the, the splintering effect of trees uh, is, is a constant worry. Uh, so your, your previous cover could be your worst enemy. Very true, very true. But nevertheless, the, uh, the, Allies, um, the Allies prevailed, and at some point the 3rd Infantry Division entered Germany. And uh, one, of, uh, one of the key moments, and as we were talking about, the key decisive moments for the 3rd Infantry Division was the seizure of Nuremberg. And they laid siege to the seizure, to, they cut. <laughs> okay, and key, uh, and, and back to those key moments of, of history um, that the 3rd Infantry Division was a decisive factor of it. Uh, we get to uh, the Siege of Nuremberg, which uh, Nuremberg being the birthplace of Nazism, it was really the, the crown jewel of the Third Reich. And uh, taking Nuremberg uh, was a very significant blow uh, to the, the German morale. Cut. I, I don't have any additional comments for that part, yeah. um, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. You know what? You could throw in that they uh, they uh, conquered Nuremberg, April twentieth, mm -hmm. uh, nineteen forty-five, Hitler's birthday, yeah. and a week later he'd shoot himself in the head. Okay. Do you want to go with that? Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, so that's a great point. Um, so they they seized Nuremberg on uh, April 20th of 1945, uh, which is also uh, Hitler's birthday. And then uh, a week later, uh, that's when uh, Hitler committed suicide uh, before he was completely overrun uh, by the Allied forces. So a, a significant day all around, and uh, 3rd Infantry Division was there to really be that, that keystone in it. And then, of course, the uh, the controversy of who was first at the Eagle's Nest in Berchtesgaden. I mean, I know that the 101st and maybe Hollywood portrays uh, paratroopers of the 101st being the, the first to seize Hitler's Eagle's Nest. Um, but I believe there's some controversy about that, isn't there? Yeah, from what I've heard, there is. Um, I'm not going to be the one to settle that debate here, though. Okay, because... Uh, those of you that follow us know that um, we we stick to uh, the the argument that the Seventh Infantry Division of or the Seventh Inf- Infantry re- Cut, and those that follow us know that we here maintain that the Seventh Infantry Regiment was the first of the Third Infantry Division to reach the Eagle's Nest. I don't know if they'll use that or not, but you know, yeah. okay, um, okay, so. Sir, if we before we run out of time here, let's jump forward a little bit to 2003 and the the oh excuse me cut. Okay, if we could, sir, let's jump ahead a little bit to 2003. Another very key uh, element of the Third Infantry Division's history and a very important uh, cut. If you just want to say jump to 2003, I can yeah, you'll quickly talk it. Korea. Uh, I'm not even going to go into detail, but I can talk Korea, Desert Storm, just that we participated in and had did a lot of stuff in Germany. Or if you just want me to skip that. Well, yeah, there is that Cold War, mm-hmm. front lines of the Cold War. Yeah. And then I won't go Korean into detail, War. but just to get us to 2003. Like contingency response. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, action. Okay. Sir, World War II, um, let's go ahead and talk through the next few decades for the 3rd Infantry Division. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, you know, we founded in November 1917. We have two Medal of Honor winners in World War I, uh, really crucial in World War II with just numerous uh, Medal of Honor winners as we talked. And then uh, 3rd Infantry Division still had a, a really important role in the Korean War. And then also during the Cold War uh, with their presence in uh, Germany and, and Europe, uh, really to kind of be that, that offset to the USSR. Um, and then also in Desert Storm, too. So you get through uh, the, through the 1990s into the new millennium, and now 2003, Operation Iraqi Freedom happens, and you're going to have to call your armored division, the 3rd Infantry Division, that's, that's known uh, to be able to handle uh, tough situations. Well, let's talk about that 3rd um, Infantry Division and the this moment when the world recognized that the 3rd Infantry Division was the premier mechanized force because of Baghdad. Yeah, so so really it's it's a question of how do we get to Baghdad, right? So you're in Kuwait. Uh, the idea was that the 4th Infantry Division is going to come from the north from Turkey. They were unable to do that due to some other reasons. So it it's really falls on the 3rd Infantry Division to come from the south from Kuwait. And that's where uh, in, in late March and early April, you have the, the concept of the Thunder Run, so the armored movement from Kuwait into, uh, into Iraq and seizing Baghdad. So there will be another couple of uh, notable 
division heroes there as far as Stephen, uh, Stephen Booker, I believe, got the Distinguished Service Cross for his actions in, in the Thunder Run. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, Paul R. Smith. Um, but could we go a little bit into what it is that the 3rd Infantry Division did to um, take the west side of Baghdad? Yeah, so it was a it was a large flanking movement where you had uh, where you had uh, armored uh, an armored unit armored division that was just moving at, at uh, catastrophic success almost where they're outpacing their supply lines and doing everything they can to keep up uh, where you have uh, just combat power that's moving forward rapidly way be way faster than initially anticipated. However, uh, the the leaders and soldiers were able to continue the fight and continue. Uh, the uh, supply, um, keeping the combat power moving forward. Uh, so they did that with, uh, you know, brigades and also a division cavalry a concept that's now coming back into uh, into discussions and practice. Uh, and that that was a really a, a great example of how um, these armored units can can work together for offensive operations. Okay, and I think that uh, one of the key things, the key successes of the Thunder Runs was the combined arms and maneuver, right? Because um, artillery was raining down on enemy positions about 10 minutes ahead of the armored force. And the first Thunder Run was intended to penetrate the army, the penetrate the IRG's defenses uh, and then fall back, right? Um, and then they did it again and almost the exact same plan with a twist. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, um you know, this is not just an army or army event as well. This is a joint, uh, and then you also have within the army combined arms. So you have uh, maneuver and fires uh, that are, are working together. So that's both the internal cannon artillery of the Third Infantry Division, uh, and then also as General Austin, who was the uh, one of the DCGs at the time, uh, stated that the uh, rocket artillery, the MLRS, uh, provided just outstanding effects that were able to support the maneuver of the 3rd Infantry Division as they move north. Okay. And then uh, the second Thunder Run ultimately led to the seizure of the, um, the that area of Baghdad that would become the Green Zone, and the 2nd Armored Brigade Combat Team, 1st 64th, would hold that against the enemy through the night. Yeah, absolutely. So so still some of the, the units that are, are still here on Fort Stewart, Georgia, in the 3rd Infantry Division uh, were, were uh, instrumental for the uh, Thunder Run itself. And uh, first of the 64th is one of those. And I think, you know, what you touched on, that combined arms, uh, as we contemplate the potential for large-scale combat operations and where the division's at now in terms of training and modernization, uh, I don't know, any thoughts on, on what we learned from the Battle of Baghdad? Yeah, so we really saw after the modernization in the 1990s and early 2000s uh, how effective it was um, post-Desert Storm into the Thunder Run. And uh, we, we've continued to learn over the years uh, during Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, and the subsequent operations uh, in the Middle East. And, and that continues forward as we look forward to uh, whatever our next conflict is. And that's why the 3rd Infantry Division is the most modernized division, uh, our armored division going forward, is because we know that they're, uh, we always have the need for readiness and uh, modernization. Okay. Well, so we've had, a, we've had a long conversation about the 3rd Infantry Division's role in these key moments, these key chapters of history. Can we 
talk a little bit about how the division now, today, is preserving that legacy. Yeah, so it's key that we connect uh, our dog-faced soldiers that we, we, we call our soldiers here in the 3rd Infantry Division to our historical roots. And part of that is is simple things like recognizing our 105th uh, birthday, uh, which you know is coming up here in four days that we celebrated uh, on November 17th. And then some of it is uh, other actions that we take. So uh, we have a, a Marne Hall of Fame and Distinguished Member of the Division uh, panel that every year, starting last year, uh, we go through a panel process and we will be recognizing at our division ball on December 2nd. And some of that is, uh, some of the people involved in that are names that we mentioned today, some of our Medal of Honor winners, um, and some others that uh, had great action in uh, while serving in the 3rd Infantry Division. Uh, Harold Nelson is one who comes to mind. He's a 170-year-old vet of World War II who served alongside uh, Audie Murphy and Michael Daly and the people that we mentioned earlier in this podcast. And is still alive today and got recognized uh, with a Silver Star uh, presentation earlier this year. Uh, and then we also have um, distinguished members of the division who, who served in the 3rd Infantry Division and then went on to do uh, great things afterwards. Um, that's, that's one example. Another example is we are uh, conducting a lot of vehicle displays here in Fort Stewart and also renaming our gates uh, with historical uh, names in mind. Uh, we'll be renaming some of the streets to, to really kind of key in on our, our third ID history. Uh, and then we're also working on a, a form of a Marne history book to kind of give everyone uh, a, a, a more than Cliff Notes version of what uh, our division has done over time. Uh, there's a lot of good books out there about the 3rd Infantry Division, but we can kind of wrap that up and, uh, and show from World War I to present day kind of what the 3rd Infantry Division has done. Well, I think what I really appreciate about these uh, initiatives and these efforts is, um, you know, so many people know the big names, the Medal of Honor awardees. Uh, but the Marin Hall of Fame, you don't have to be a Medal of Honor awardee, just somebody who contributed very significantly in the division. They might, and their legacy might otherwise be lost. But with the Marin Hall of Fame, with the DMOD, by introducing our soldiers to their stories, whether it's at the gate or as part of a book, um, we ensure that their example lasts and endures for modern dog-faced soldiers to learn from and emulate. Yeah, absolutely, and that's, that's really what we need. All right, well, that does it uh, for the Marn Report in the lead-up to Marn Week. Happy 105th birthday, Rock of the Marn. The Digital Garrison app is a one-stop shop for everything you need to know about Stewart and Hunter with real-time information to keep our military community connected. Users can access a variety of information such as gate hours, an installation directory, weather, installation news and events, online shopping, push notifications, and more. The Digital Garrison app is available for free through your favorite app store. Set your location to Fort Stewart Hunter Army Airfield and you'll never miss a moment.